Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Life's a Sport. Listen up. We are going to dive deep into fantasy football. This will be our second edition of our fantasy football preview. Joe, there are... Um, last week when we when we talked about this, we, we sort of got into some of the running backs um, that, that you should look out for and, and the, the youth movement of running backs. Um, I won't go over real quick what the draft results were from our league last year in the first round and kind of see how how this could really impact where you, where you land overall. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that were drafted, I wouldn't have agreed with, but it really also goes to show you that like consensus wise, these guys were projected as first round picks, and and for, some of them for the were, most part, <laughs> some of them were they were misses. So number one overall was David Johnson, and this is a standard scoring Correct. six point passing touchdown league. Correct. Uh, Le'Veon, or I'm sorry, uh, it was uh, David Johnson one, Le'Veon Bell two, Antonio Brown three, Julio Jones fourth, Melvin Gordon fifth, LaShawn McCoy, Devontae Freeman, and then here's where it kind of takes a turn for the worse. Okay. DeMarco Murray was selected eighth. Okay. And he's no longer in the league. Correct. <laughs> did not have a good season. Jay Ajayi was selected ninth. We all mm-hmm. know what happens there. He, he did not perform well in, in Miami. He went yep. to the Eagles, sort of ended the year pretty well, but wasn't getting that workload that you would expect for a ninth overall pick. Mm-hmm. Ten was Mike Evans. Ugh. 11 Brandon Cooks <laughs> and 12 Odell Beckham Jr. So yep. of these guys, David Johnson was out, Odell Beckham mm-hmm. was out. The only real studs from this class were Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones. Um, Shady had a decent year. Uh, yeah, he was my Melvin pick. He Gordon was okay. had a good year. But the rest of these guys, I mean, they were. there's a lot of misses here. It's, it's extremely difficult to... Uh, the first thing, I mean, DeMarco Murray, I think, was probably like, oh, he played for the Eagles last year. I kind of remember that name. Um, there, it, It's really, really difficult, and a lot of it we're going to talk about today is, is strategy, and a lot of it goes and in, feeds into your strategy, but you can't be married to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you have to take the best available player, and if your rankings are way off, then you're going to end up with these guys. I just can't predict injuries. Everyone in the world had David Johnson first overall before, before he got I hurt. Did. I had Bill. Really? Oh. Uh, um, you're, you're a, what are those things called? You can see in the future. I don't know. Well, you, so you think it, about the year before he had what 16 rushing touchdowns. I, yeah. I, I don't see a way a guy's going to duplicate that. I don't think Todd Gurley's going to get 19 touchdowns again this year. No, pr- probably not. So I um, see why he's drafted number one overall. But there's this recency yeah. bias in fantasy football. I mean, last year the guy was the you know projected what the 20th overall pick. And now this year he's first because of what happened last year. Whereas if you take a larger sample size, you'll say this guy might be in the top five, but you know, he's not the guaranteed number one overall pick. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is the, the difficulty of, of, of fantasy is trying to avoid. And I look, I mean, (laughs) you should have been able to avoid some of these. There's a lot of guys here that I would not have drafted where they went. I remember when I picked sixth, I was between Gordon. Um, if Gordon was gone, I was going to take McCoy. And if McCoy was gone, I was going to take Gordon. I thought for sure McCoy would have went fifth, uh, but he, he goes sixth, so I ended up with him. Um, and that's just kind of how the rankings played out. But the other the other thing that I kind of noticed is there's not – there wasn't a ton of – I mean, there, there are bad picks, but there's a difference between bad picks and risk. Um, Saquon Barkley would be a risk, but it'll go in the first, first round. Um, I, I think Jay Ajayi is just not a good pick. Um, you know, at, at nine at, at that spot. So there's there's a lot of things that, that factor into it. Brandon Cooks, you can say he was drafted mm-hmm. at his ceiling. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he's for saying sure. he's going to play with Tom Brady. He might have 12 yeah. touchdowns and 1,200 yards. You're drafting him at his yeah. ceiling with that pick. But you pick Brandon Cooks 11th, 
when you are going to be able to pick in the second round anyway. So maybe you go with with so AJ Green. Who do you miss out on at that turn? Um, who who had a who had a better season? So no, what I'm saying is he was drafted 11th, the 12th and 13th guy. Do you have that up? Who, who Beckham went? and Green. Beckham yeah, and Green. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and I, if I picked 11th, I probably would have taken either of those guys. It, it, it probably ended up being the wrong choice. Well, Beckham because he got, he got hurt and Green. AJ Green said he didn't have a great year, but he finished yeah, 12th. Probably better than Cooks, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I would, think so. I would imagine. So yeah, I don't know. It it, it becomes very difficult, but it, it so much of it just goes back to. You know, you have to be, you have to take risks. I think in in the draft, but that first round, your first pick, you have to get it right. You so, absolutely have to get it right. So I'm going to go a step deeper. I think your first two rounds, you need to pick a guy that is going to be a starter for you each week in the season. That's typically what I'm going for in my mm-hmm. first two rounds, and try and eliminate risk in those two rounds. Yeah, so you want to draft sure. a guy like, like I, I mentioned that. Do I think Ty Gurley is going to finish with 19 touchdown total touchdowns again? No, yeah. I don't. But do I think he'll finish as a top five running back? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why he's being drafted number one, right, because right. his floor is so high. Again, bearing injury. But that that's sort of what you're looking for when you draft um, players like this. You want to find a guy that will fall you know, somewhere between a 10-pick range. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in the first round, I would even limit that to like a five-pick range. But as you get deeper in the draft, you want to draft a guy that could go either 10 spots higher or 10 spots lower um, than, than where they're projected. Yeah, and that that's where the kind of mitigating risk as best as possible really comes in, into play in the first two rounds for sure. And then and then go crazy. But once you have those two guys who you think can really carry you, then you're, then you're, you're really going to be in business. And, and I'm looking at you know my draft from last year, and it wasn't like round three I took a took a a dumb risk on T.Y. Hilton, just thinking Andrew Luck would eventually <laughs> play, but that, that was not the case. Um, but luckily for me, I had talked. Yeah, so you actually, round, so. I called this out at the draft last year, yeah. and you, you said had who's going to th- th- throw to him? Well, no, because I took Andrew Luck in the 10th or 11th That's round. That's why I remember it so well. But I remember because you took um, T.Y. Hilton. I was a little confused by it mm-hmm. because of the uncertainty with Andrew Luck. But then later in the draft, I think it was around 11 or 12, you took Dante Moncrief. And yes. that was really my point to me because if Andrew Luck plays, it would have been a great pick. But you're also counting on um, – you're investing highly in Andrew Luck playing at that point in your did, draft with I mean, two of your 15 picks coming from Indianapolis. I took offense. Moncrief, yeah, the seventh pick in the 10th round. 10th round, okay. Um, but like here, all right, here's our 10th round. Theo Riddick, the Eagles' defense, Kansas City's defense, <laughs> Jamal – like, I mean <laughs> – so I'm, I'm I like I can take a risk there and, and be pretty confident because I know that the people that are drafting defenses are not going to win the league in, in the tenth round. So it's humble. <coughs> Excuse me. Isn't that like oh, we're gonna, like in a second we'll get into more advanced strategies that that probably more more advanced players know. But isn't it like a joke? Like every fantasy commercial is has a joke about like drafting a defense. You last know, before, season, like it's nuts. Last season, season someone drafted. I believe it Paul. was Stephen. Uh, just. Uh, just Janikowski from New England's kicker Goskowski Goskowski in the was it the seventh round or something like that and everyone was (laughs) like what the hell are you doing and the argument was he scores more points than Rob Gronkowski right 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 that's that logic to me doesn't make any sense because you're you're you should be not looking at him compared to tight ends, but him compared to other kickers in his range. And if he scores more than that guy, that's fine. But if he's only scoring ten more points than a kicker that's being drafted in the fifteenth round, it's not good value. I I forget. I I had a kicker last year for like seven straight weeks, and he had he was scoring like insane amount of points. Just like I didn't draft them though. It was just yeah. you just pick up a guy. Um, yeah. So that's like the one thing. 
and if you can feel, maybe when I, I look the tenth round, we were probably three hours in, and I was probably a little bit drunk. Yeah, I probably didn't in. realize a Moncrief. Like I didn't, didn't even. You didn't I, I because I brought up. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. When, it definitely wasn't. When I mentioned that he's on the same. It definitely wasn't as yeah. like a. I probably just had him on my list and was yep. like, whatever, I'll, I'll grab it, grab him. I probably caught him pretty soon thereafter. But um, yeah, you can. You have to really be able to feel out your league too, and just see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, if. I probably could have waited on on Moncrief for another round or two um, because people are just drafting like every defense and kicker at this point. But <laughs> we we had a defense go in the the twelfth pick of the ninth round. Like, and I, I no, I'm sorry, we had a defense go in the ninth the ninth pick of the eighth round. And I got the Jaguars, and they finished number one overall. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Nice. It's nuts. Um, yeah. So strategy. Tip number one, if you can, don't even draft a defense unless you're like, like you say, okay, here's a great week one matchup or you want, uh, did you, you didn't draft Jacksonville? No. So I was between Jacksonville. Did you, and draft, the, did you draft the defense? I did. I was between Jacksonville and the Giants. And um, after week one, I realized that I made the wrong choice, mm-hmm. dropped the Giants, picked up Jacksonville and had them for the rest of the season. Yeah. But Jacksonville and the Giants were, I think, my top two defenses. Obviously, I completely missed on one of those, but... You know, when Janoris Jenkins is being sent home from camp, they're probably their best defensive player, and it's just a mess in the locker room. Right, right. That's sort of what uh, played the factor into that. But the Jaguars, I mean, they bought six pro bowlers on that defense. Yeah, that um, was that was. There's there's a few teams like that, that team, that I'm yeah. targeting this year that I'm just seeing, and they're you know I can get them in the 14th round. I think they'll be a top five defense. Yeah, I'm doing a um just just for fun. I I don't believe you can you can do it for money yet um on yahoo they offer college fantasy oh cool um so i i, I did a draft and uh like i i don't have extensive it's only power five conferences mm-hmm. and, and i don't really have extensive knowledge of anything outside of that so i like was sort of able to do rankings and i just said all right like I, like i don't know anything i mean clemson's defense i know is very good there's very good defense but it's about like i said all right florida university of florida plays like like a, it was a one double or so it's all matchups. Yeah. So, so it's just like, all right, I'm going to grab them and the, my last pick because they're going to have, they're going to probably shut this team out no mm-hmm. matter how good Flo- or bad Florida's defense is. And that's sort of how I, I approach defense when it comes to uh, like, I'm just setting it up for week one if, if I'm going to draft one, but if I really like a, another player, I just, I just won't take one so, and figure it out. So let's get know, into in other week. fancy football strategies on draft day. And and for people who are new to fancy football, we'll go over some terminology and we'll try and uh, explain each term the best we can. So there's, there's some strategies which are no RB, which doesn't mean don't draft a running back, but it means fill up all of your other positions before you draft a running back. There is an early quarterback or early tight end strategy in which you're going to take Aaron Rodgers in the second round or Rob Gronkowski in the second round and just make sure that you have the best player at that position. Um, and you don't need to worry about for the rest of right. the year. There is the opposite approach in which you take a tight end and a quarterback late in the draft and you just stream them um, throughout the season. And, and what that means is you look at the waiver wire, see last year you see who's playing the Browns and pick up that quarterback. And you do that each week uh, throughout the uh, regular season. Mm-hmm. There's also going RBRB, which is running back in the first two rounds, the opposite wide receiver, wide receiver the first two rounds. Um, and... I mean, those are the ones I, I, I sort of identified. There's so many ways that you can uh, incorporate these strategies into your draft. What you don't want to do is go into the draft with the mindset that I'm going to use this strategy. Right, if you right, go right, into right. it with, you know, I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and you have the 12th pick, that may look good heading into the draft this year. But if 
everyone passes on Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley, and they're both available for mm-hmm. you at 12 and 13, it would be foolish to take two wide receivers right, in that scenario. Right. I think um, the, the the one part you, you mentioned, I don't know if I would consider it a strategy taking a quarterback or a tight end early in the draft. I think that that for me, at least for me, I, I, would, I would never go into a draft saying, like, I'm, I'm targeting this guy and I'm going to reach for for Gronk or Aaron Rodgers. I think it would be like like last year for you, he kind of fell in your lap, Aaron Rodgers, and, and I'm sure he was the highest ranked player you had, I, I would think. Maybe not. So I— Or did you want him? I wanted him because I—the year before, I think he had 45 touchdowns. Yes. And the way—one of the ways I, I've, I, I tried this last year, and it actually didn't work for me, but it was my first year incorporating the strategy. I think Matthew Barry mentioned on one of his podcasts uh, mm-hmm. on ESPN, and that was to aim for, in non-PPR leagues, which is ours, aim mm-hmm. for a way to get 100 points each week. Right. So you need to break it down by how many you need out of your quarterback position, how many you need out of your running back position, wide receivers combined, tight end, yeah. and so on. So if you break it down to say, like, hey, if my quarterback gets me 20, my running backs get me 25, my wide receivers get me 25, you need that to add up to 100, and you're going to win yeah. more games than you lose. Right. So the way I was looking at last year, with that in mind, I was saying if Aaron Rodgers scores 26 points a game, then I don't have to um, perform as well at some of the other positions. Right, right. So that was one of the mindsets, and and obviously that didn't work for me last year because he got injured. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see that unfold. But um, yeah, it's it's something you know, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I think I think I mean so. Oh, oh. Um, so before you took Rogers eleventh last year in the second round, eleventh pick in the second round, Gronk went right ahead of that. So, so two people kind of had that idea, but I think for me, like just looking at it and trying to remember back after that was Doug Baldwin, Isaiah Crowell, Keenan Allen, Carlos Hyde, Tom Brady, Christian McCaffrey, my T.Y. Hilton, Terrell Pryor. If I were in your spot, I would think in Rogers just because he would have been the next guy on, on my yeah. ranking. So I think that if I fall into that kind of situation, I might in, in possibly both my, both my leagues this year, fall into a spot where Ron, Rob Gronkowski is just the highest rated ranked player that I have and I'm really confident in in the running back I get be it in our league it'll be Gurley or Bell I'm sure um then maybe yeah maybe you, you do go for it but I think I would just kind of fall into that but I, I've never the only mindset I have kind of similar to Matthew Barry's like get 100 points is like I want to win the position each week yeah but I, I almost feel like it's so difficult to do that because a lot of it can come down to a pickup in, in, at the end of the year or something so last year was really interesting and and if so I was targeting Rob Gronkowski with that pick. Mm-hmm. He went one pick before, I believe, Morrow drafted mm-hmm. him um, with that pick. And what I had found myself doing based on my rankings in a lot of my mock drafts leading up to the actual draft was I ended up getting Rob Gronkowski in that spot. Actually, I took Gurley in that spot in a lot, but you drafted him a few spots ahead. Mm-hmm. So Rob Gronkowski in that spot. And then coming back around, Aaron Rodgers was a clear-cut guy at that position for me. So I was sitting there saying, if I can get the best running back on my board, who was Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. the best tight end, Rob Gronkowski, mm-hmm. and the best quarterback within the first three picks, and it was very feasible, is that enough to balance the lack of production at some of the other positions, like running back, zero wide receivers at that right, point? Right. Would that compensate um, for that? We didn't get to see that unfold, but that's not a strategy I typically would use. But based on where they were projected last year and where I was picking, that seemed to have happened a few times. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it would... would go for me you just kind of fall in, into it I, I i think that you know if you're especially in like a four passing four point passing touchdown league I, I would really go running back heavy like my ppr league is and then try to get a quarterback who can run for touchdowns but i i i don't necessarily and to kind of get it back on on the rails uh if you want to talk about 
no RB, meaning fill up your other key positions yeah. before you take your first running back. I, I just I couldn't imagine going into a draft saying I'm going to do that because because yeah. something could someone could fall like a really somebody could fall yeah and then you, you what are you still not going to do you it? need you're to gonna be flexible, take yeah. you're going to take a wide receiver who who you have ranked below this running back it just yeah. it's such an odd strategy to take and maybe you do it in if you pick on the turn in a in a PPR league and you can take uh, I I I mean maybe DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. and. Uh, Beckham, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe in a ten-team league that that would be feasible. Maybe you do it in a PPR, but then do, does that mean you should get a quarterback next, then a tight end, then another wide receiver, and then start taking running backs? I don't think so. I, I think, I, I think in that to, situation you player, need yeah. to draft a deeper roster of running backs. So you'd have to take five of your next six picks to be All a running back. Yeah, you just have to just hoping that backs, two right. of those five hit, mm-hmm. and then you can fill in the rest of your. And positions. then and then you got to take guys like you would you know you would draft James Conner if. if hoping not hoping but if guys get injured yeah, you want to yeah. have their their handcuffs so i think that no rb i don't i don't know that i that's a very popular strategy but not for me I, yeah and i i could never see myself doing that i'm, I'm all rb like <laughs> I, I try to get like two or three right away but uh so are we are we down i mean last year there was a emergence of young running back talents and if you see how they're projected mm-hmm. this year there are i want to say Probably nine of the first 12 picks are going to be running backs. That's what I'm going to think. Um, With ADP says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, the nail on the head. Okay, so I would, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. But if we look at what happened last year um, with the wide receivers, it was a down year. Um, of the wide receivers, it was the fewest touchdown uh, receptions among wide receivers over the last 10 years. There was only 84 receiving touchdowns um, from receivers. That's really – well, yeah. I mean, you had the Chiefs, who I don't think had a receiver – not Tyreek the Chiefs. Um, wasn't oh, – I'm sorry, the Ravens did not have a receiver catch a touchdown pass until like – week 12 or something yeah, I mean, like that, it was, it was yeah, something crazy i believe that but, um and then there, that stuff. you know there's other guys like like drew Brees had a down year passing touchdowns he only had 23 or something like that so that, that all factors into it but only 84 and i think because of that we're seeing it's a recency bias which i mentioned mm-hmm. again there's a recency bias which is why we're seeing nine running backs be taken in the first whereas most years i would think it would be more of like a seven five split um rather than like a nine three split yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Fantasy Pros, and, and their aggregate of ADP has Leonard Fournette going before Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. Um, and for those of you new to Fantasy Football, ADP average. means average draft position. Um, so I don't—yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but you're, you're absolutely right that people are just trying to jump on, on running backs early and often. And if you have your ears open, maybe that means, eh, I'm going to look for a running back because there's going to be a run on them right at the start of your draft. And, and we talked about this last week, but— What we've seen unfold over the past five or six years is more of a running back committee Mm -hmm. rather than one guy who's going to get um, a majority of the carries. And uh, a few numbers for you here. There were 47 running backs last year who carried the ball at least 100 times. There were 18 running backs who exceeded 200 carries. It actually surprised me there was 18. And there were only six that exceeded 300 touches in mm-hmm. 2017. But of those six, all six of them finished in the top 10 in fantasy scoring. Sure. Yeah, so if you can get one of those right. guys, you need it. And I think last year there was only four or five guys that may have fallen into that role preseason. Um, but looking at this year, it looks like there's nine or 10 guys that might fall into that mold. And even say that you have the, the 12th and 13th pick in a 12-team draft, uh, I would... Pro- it, 
Okay. So go ahead. I, I would I would probably go Fournette, Dalvin Cook. To be honest, because running backs are just oh, gonna if be they're there, gone. I I don't see them uh, over, being there. But that's over. That's over Michael Thomas, possibly no, over over Keenan Allen, over AJ Green, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. And again, it goes back to that theory. If you want to use the strategy, if you're yeah. trying to get a hundred points, now your running back is up to say thirty points of your hundred, and then you only need to get twenty out of your wide receivers yep. or, or so on. However, you have the math broken down. Um, yep. So you you need to get a smaller production out of your wide receivers to compensate for taking two running backs back to back. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's also uh, one of the things that, that jumped out at me, one of the numbers was uh, Le'Veon Bell was obviously, or not Le'Veon Bell, uh, Todd Gurley was the main producer for fantasy running backs last year. He finished right. the year in, again, a non PPR league with 319.3 points, which is a huge number. He was the primary ball handler um, for the Rams. But the one thing that really stood out to me is the Saints had. Uh, two guys, two running backs within the top six performers amongst running backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not not going to happen this year with Ingram being suspended for well, two Ingram years, being but suspended for four years. Yeah, it's still or for four games. Yeah. Uh, but that really just shows how good their offensive line was, and I feel like that is yeah. something which wasn't talked about much. And Kamara was certainly an outlier. Yeah. So Kamara finished the year with two hundred thirty nine point four points which mm-hmm. finished fourth and ingram with 220 which finished sixth if you add those together that's 459 <laughs> fantasy yeah. points so if one of those guys say ingram you know he's gone the first four weeks i think their bye week is week six say he gets injured mm-hmm. and camara takes over the entire role he may one of those guys may be in for a huge workload just yeah. based on how that offense uh produces for the running back position it's, as a whole it seems like like for probably for that reason camara is like a popular bust pick like a lot of people are saying bust, 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 and I don't necessarily know that I I agree with that. Will his production be the same? Probably not, but Todd Gurley's probably will not be the same either. You have to get that running back who who we probably haven't even said his name yet, who's gonna be the top running back in fantasy. Yeah. Um you have to kind of find that guy maybe in the second round, maybe in the third round. Um but yeah, yeah, I, I it, it's it's just the NFL's gotten so weird with with running back or fantasy has gotten weird with running backs by committee, but you still have to you still have to take it's there's no way around it. I, I mean, I guess there is with no RB, but I just don't think there's there's. I don't I don't think you win a lot of leagues doing that. While we're on running backs, here's a few more stats from 2017 that that I found interesting. Uh, there were seven running backs that scored double digit touchdowns, and they all finished inside the top ten. Pretty pretty good number. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking for a guy later in drafts who you think can be get goal line work, it may be worth the investment. Uh, the other one. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott finished as a running back 12 and he did this uh, despite only playing in 10 games yeah that's that's really good and if you obviously were to span his touches out over a 16 game it would have been something unprecedented like 430 carries <laughs> right, right, right. which wouldn't happen because right. they gave him extra workload knowing that he wasn't going to be there those those six games the last one which um which really surprised me uh let, let, let's try and make you uh, make you guess this. Who okay. do you think had the longest run of a running back last year? Uh, boy, I know Todd Gurley had some long ones. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember here. Uh, give me Jay Ajayi. No, it was actually Leonard Fournette. He had a 90 yard touchdown run, which you know he was playing heavy last year, which yeah. surprised me that can't, he can't could outrun uh, yeah. outrun defenders like that, but. On, on the opposite side of the spectrum, there was a one of the top producing running backs in fantasy, and his longest run on the year was 27 yards. Any idea who that might be? 
Melvin Gordon. Le'Veon Bell. Really? He finished amongst the top uh, talents, uh, top producing running backs in yeah. the league, and his longest run was 27 yards. So it really, surprising, It yeah. really goes to show that he's one of those guys with over 300 touches, um, but it's really just the workload it, which which just adds up over time and get and, you know getting two points or half a point on each run that that it just adds up. Is there a better feeling? And not just in fantasy, but I, I mean, I've never done heroin, but I imagine this is exact. <laughs> this is exactly what it's like, where you're like on stat tracker and you just like look up and then you look back down and you have like 18 points because a running back had a touchdown and, and 70 yard carry or something. And you're so, just like, oh, this is the best feeling. The ever. one year I drafted uh, CJ2K with the fifth overall pick, mm-hmm. and coming back on the the turn. I was able to get Adrian Pearson coming off a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. The first play that Adrian Pearson was back, he had an 80-yard touchdown run. He did that three or four times, and that was when, yep. um, after kickoffs, you were at the 20-yard yep. line rather than right. the 25. Right. So he's at the 20-yard line. He did it three or four times that year. Yeah. And right there, that's 14 points on one play in yeah. my league. It's the best feeling in the world seeing that it's score great. go up by it is 14 great. points. It's just awesome. It, it's it's so good. Um. Yeah, I guess uh, don't expect that for Le'Veon Bell though. Nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's um we can we can jump into wide receivers. There were five mm-hmm. wide receivers that had um, over 100 receptions. So these are guys that you know may not have finished. Um, or actually, they all finished very high up just mm-hmm. because of their workload. So yeah. it's similar to the running back workload where they're getting touches. These guys are getting um, targets and they're they're making the most of them. So Jarvis Landry led the league with 112. And one of the surprising things was he did, he failed to reach 1,000 uh, yards. Um, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's crazy. And, and we sort of talked about that on our podcast uh, earlier in the week mm-hmm. in which um, – in which he's gone this year and he caught all those passes over the middle. So he's more of a security blanket. And I think that's why, but yeah, a ton of, a ton of receptions for him. Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, and Antonio Brown were the other, uh, four wide receivers who topped a hundred total carries catches. Um, catches, yeah. Yeah. Larry, I've had Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think I had him last year, but I've had him on teams. I actually had him in PPR last year, which was, which was beneficial, but, um, he's, he's been very steady for a very long time, especially in PPR and you can get him like late. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it, we talked about this, I think, on the last fantasy preview, which is some of these guys like Larry Fitzgerald, like Frank Gore for so many years, you just, they're mm-hmm. they're consistent, but they're just like old. They're not that flashy player that when yep. you draft, people are going to be like, oh, that's a nice yeah, pick. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so they're they're difficult to draft, but they're very beneficial for fantasy numbers. Yep. I got to be missing something because I'm going through ADP and I still don't see, uh, I must have missed them. Because there's like, <laughs> I, I can imagine he's going, he's going after the, Austin, Austin Safari and Jenkins. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Can't imagine he's fell that far. Um, moving on to quarterbacks, there are Carson Wentz had a great year last year. He was drafted in, mm-hmm. I want to say, the twelfth round, probably the second. I think he is the second quarterback drafted on that team, and he was having an MVP caliber season. One of the things that you're you're looking for in all of your players is is consistency. And Carson Wentz was one of the most consistent quarterbacks at the position. Yep. Uh, he um, was able to, he finished as a quarterback five and he only played in, I think, 13 games. And over the past 10 years, there's only been, I think, three other quarterbacks that have done that. It was uh, Nick Foles in his um, 2012 season yep. with uh, with Chip Kelly. Michael Vick did it twice uh, with the Falcons and Tony Romo did it once with the uh, Cowboys. So he wow. really had a great a great year. Um, and of those, uh, of his eight 
um, or of his 13 starts, eight of them, he finished as a quarterback one. And by quarterback one, we mean he finished top 12 in his position. Right. Quarterback is, is, and you mentioned it at the top of the show. Um, you know, a lot of people will, will wait on quarterback and I, I've done this a few times where, I mean, one time I just drafted like pick 13, 14 and 15. I just took quarterbacks and I was like, one of these guys yep. is going to finish in the top 12. Um, this was a couple of years ago and I, I think it was like, Oh man, it was like David, no, uh, Derek Carr. Um, God, I can't remember. I can't remember who the other two are, but it like it worked out fairly, like well yeah. enough to make the playoffs. Um, I think with quarterback, if you can get Rodgers, there's probably going to be some separation between him and the next closest guy. But like two through twelve, I don't know. I, I could it literally could be anybody. I, is Deshaun Watson going to be the number two performing fantasy quarterback? I, I, I don't know. So Deshaun Watson, but led, I could make an argument last that year he would not be during his six starts. He averaged twenty seven point one two fantasy points, um, and that's over a six week span. Uh, it, for quarterbacks with at least um, with a minimum of six starts, there's only been mm-hmm. one other quarterback that's even come close to that, and that was Rodgers in two thousand eleven. He had twenty six point five. Wow. So again, that's a very small sample size. Right. But Deshaun Watson is one of those guys where if he can stay healthy for an entire season, he may put up numbers that that we haven't really seen before. And this goes into yeah. um, a conversation about what type of quarterback do you want? Do you want a guy like Brady Breeze who can stand the pocket and just pick apart defenses? Or do you want a guy who can rush as well and mm-hmm. gain you all those yards on the ground? So, for instance, last year, Cam Newton rushed for 754 yards. That is a ton. Wow, it actually surprises me that he rushed for that many yards. That's a ton of yeah. rushing yards. Wow. So, wow. and you get if you get point one in most leagues, you get point one mm-hmm. points per yard. Um, that's a ton of points. That's 75.4 yeah. fantasy points just from rushing, and yeah. it was the second most, I think, uh, behind Russell Wilson. Uh, since 2014 when right. he had 859. So do you, do you look at quarterbacks in that way that like you want a rushing quarterback versus a pocket passer? Uh, not necessarily in a standard league in a PPR. Like, so the PPR league I do is four points per passing touchdown and you get like a bonus if they eclipse 300 yards, 400 yards, 500 yards. So you want a guy throws a lot of yards, but also can run for touchdowns. So maybe, I don't know if Cam Newton had a lot of rushing touchdowns. He obviously had a lot of yards, and I think in a standard scoring league, that's that's huge because seventy five points is, is going to be a lot. Um, you know, when you, when you really, really kind of break it down and, and look at it in the grand scheme of things. So, if I can get a, like I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach for for any quarterback. That's for damn sure. But if I can get a guy who I think has you know mobility, I did that. I mean, that was a when I first started playing fantasy, like a huge strategy of mine. I thought mm-hmm. I was I thought I was onto something there. That <laughs> and uh, drafting like. Like Matt Ryan's and Julio, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, like drafting a quarterback and a wide receiver on the same team. I did that. I used to do that all like, like when I first started. I used to try to do that every time. So that's um, that's an interesting philosophy. Do you? Yeah, I don't, I don't. Do you still go with that strategy, or are you turned off by um, the fact that you might have, you know, a running back and a wide receiver on the same team? Yeah, because then if if that team has a down week, say they go up against like the Jaguars or something like that, do you risk the. I'm trying to think if I've consciously done it. I don't. I don't think I have. Okay. Yeah, so it may it's, happen it's big, that way. It's but, a big risk, but you yeah. don't. Do you avoid it? No. No. Not necessarily. No. I don't think so. I. I, I if I look back over my teams, I've, I've probably had it. But yeah, I, I think that with, with quarterback, though, I. If I can get a guy who I think can do some stuff on the ground, then yeah, like I'll I'll, I'll take him over the guy who can't if they're close in the rankings. Um, but I'm just not going to reach for for a quarterback. 
One of the other things you mentioned that I want to come back to is Aaron Rodgers you have, and I think most people do, as the number one quarterback Mm -hmm. uh, projected for fantasy this year. And then between 2 and 12, there's just a huge gap. So last year, 2017, there were 43 different quarterbacks who performed at least a quarterback one one week uh, within the season. So, you know, how many teams are there in the NFL? 32 teams? 32. So 32 teams, you're looking at backup quarterbacks who are able to perform as a as a fantasy-relevant um, quarterback, at mm-hmm. least, uh, you know, when they have the yeah. opportunity. Some of, those, some of those names, and, like, the one guy I didn't even know, like, existed, C.J. Beathard, Kevin Hogan. Oh, yeah. Remember Kevin Hogan for— Yeah, Kevin yeah. Hogan cost me money uh, in a preseason game. <laughs> Brock Osweiler. Kevin Hogan from Stanford. I liked him. David Fales and TJ Yates all contribute at least the quarterback one. I know Beathard because he, he played at Iowa. I have no idea who—what's his name? Fales? David Fales, yeah. I, need to, I have let, no idea who that is. Let me look that up because I, I, I have him on this um, on this stat, and I, I don't even know who—oh, it was for the Dolphins. That's right. I still have after, no idea. <laughs> after, after Cutler went out, he came in and he probably just tossed a touch. Yeah, I guess a bunch of touchdowns wow. to uh, wow to Landry. That's 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 crazy. I'm looking at quarterbacks now, kind of by by ADP, and and it just it holds up. You, you like there's there's really not a, a, a you would I would really need a good reason to take a quarterback early in my draft. Because there's just there's so many guys who I just don't like I don't know where these how these guys are going to finish I could write it up a thousand different ways it, it's really a crapshoot. One of the things I struggle with over my drafts is I get my eyes start to light up when there's a quarterback there that I think might might overperform. Mm-hmm. I, I think the best strategy is to wait on quarterbacks because it's such like last year Carson Wentz again drafted very late. There's there's uh, Deshaun Watson went undrafted. Um, you know, these guys finish toward the top of their position and yep. you can get them late dress. But when you see a guy like, like Russell Wilson, I took two years ago in the fourth round or second round or something like that. And, you know, you, you see the possibility of, of what their, what their ceiling is mm-hmm. and it, it's tough to pass up sometimes. Yeah. No, it, it, it definitely is. And, and there's guys that I have circled and highlighted and will I have the discipline to say, all right, I think I can get this guy in, in the next next time I come around or to have to get them now. And that's kind of the, the, the guessing game. Another thing to look out for when drafting is, is guys that, you know, we talked about consistent players and guys that can perform weekly for you in which you don't even need to consider taking them out of your lineup. There's an alternate. Um, some guys have a, have a different uh, value in fantasy in which they're, they're considered boomer bust. Whereas, you know, by the end of the year, they may finish in the top 24, 25, you know, 30 at their position. But if you look at it on a weekly basis, there's only eight weeks in which they accumulated 80% of, of those points. How do you value and, and, and look at guys um, from that sense? Do you want boomer bust guys on your team? And, and how do you know when to start them? If I can avoid it, I, I will. Again, I, I really really stick to my ranking so you may say Alvin Kamara is boom or bust and if he's the highest ranked guy at my pick then I'm, I'm probably going to take him and, and roll the dice I guess um later in drafts though is where I really will say I mean there's a much higher probability for the guy to be a quote-unquote bust but I don't know if you can call him a bust if you draft him at the right at the right spot mm-hmm. um so if you draft a guy in the 11th round and he produces worse than a guy in the, or 
10 guys in the 13th or 12th or 13th rounds, then yeah, maybe call them a, a bust, but it's probably not going to kill your team. At the beginning of drafts, I'm really trying to draft, like especially the first two rounds, guys that have done it before, guys that I can I can trust, guys that I know are going to uh, perform to to you know the, the somewhere near the levels that we're used to. Um, this is an interesting year because there's so many rookie running backs and they're so tempting to take. And I think you could say all oh, those guys could be boomer bust guys, minus Darius guys, but uh, it, it becomes it becomes. And then there's second year guys too who are sort of coming into their own, and you have to negotiate where to take them and, and determine if they're going to be boomer bust. But th- there's there's guys you like, guys you don't like. So I'm really not. I don't really buy into like the bust and sleepers things because it's so yeah. much about where you draft them. Yeah, and and you mentioned like. The running backs, you said there's so many running backs this year. I think the only reason people are valuing those rookie running backs so high is because of, again, recency bias. And what happened last year when you have four or five guys from the rookie class who finished, um, you know, top 12 in their position. There's there's the sophomore players that did so well last year, but they, who knows what they're doing this offseason. They may have just fell in, fallen into the right situation. They might not come back with that same urge to dominate, and you may be drafting a bus based on right. um, these guys. I, I used to avoid rookie running backs, and that's really just I did uh, too. clearly yeah. not yeah. the best strategy because yeah. if you look what happened the past right. three years, it's it's proven that they can be valuable when in the right uh, situation. Yeah, that's that's the key, and and you can do all the research in the world. You're still going to need some luck on your side. For sure. I, I yeah. mean, I could have went three different ways when I took Todd Gurley in the second round last year, and, and literally sitting in that room, I didn't realize. All right, I just won the league, but yeah. everyone that had him basically won the league because yeah. he because he was that incredible of a performer. Um, I could have went the other way, and the guy behind me could have gotten girl and probably won the league. So yeah. it's it, 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 you're going to have to have a little bit of luck on your side, but at the same time, you have to do you have to do your homework. So you don't you don't. Have, I mean, I could have probably told you Jay Jay is not worth the ninth pick in the draft. Yeah, but, last year. So. so for instance, Todd Gurley was the guy who I had circled. If he fell to me, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to have a bounce back year. Yeah, nothing like what he actually put up, but right, I thought right. he would fall somewhere around like the tenth to twelfth mm-hmm. running back, and. And, and in hindsight, if you look at it, this year the top two picks are pretty much unanimously uh, Bell and Gurley. And yeah. I could have had both of them on my team last year if he had fallen three more spots. I, I don't think in, in our—I picked second. I'm definitely not going to get cute. And, and the guy who picks first pro- probably won't either. But there's going to be drafts where David Johnson goes first, Ezekiel Elliott goes first. There, there has to be. I mean, Gurley's ADP over, and this is an aggregate over a lot of different sites, um, is 1.2. 1.7 so it's not going first in every single draft obviously 1.7 sets so a seventh no well his average if you oh, average it oh, out gotcha, his gotcha. average draft position okay. is, is yeah 1. 1.7 do, do you have the other ring backs bell and zeke and, and Johnson? yeah so it goes uh Gurley 1.7 bell 2.5 elliot 3.2 johnson 4.0 uh brown 4.8 barkley 8.6 kamara 8.4 oh. hopkins 8.1 these are so these are like their 86 expert rankings. I'm mm-hmm. just looking at the ADP, so they're not exactly in order. Um, but yeah, it's, there's going to be some, I mean, th- yeah, th- th- there's going to be people that don't take Charlie Bell first. There are guys, sure. and here's here's something I want to just mention. And, and, and that's not wrong. They very well could be right there. Take, yeah. Johnson could have the most fantasy points in, in, in the league this year. Gurley went late take second. Johnson. Take Johnson, Shane. Take him. <laughs> Gurley went uh, what in the late second round last year and seventh, finished as number one. Seventh pick of the second round, right? You know these projections are right, again right, just right. for 
you know, where they may finish. But yeah. what I recommend for anyone, especially new fantasy players, is if you're picking, regardless where you're picking, but especially if you're picking on one of the turns, like within the top two or three picks or within the mm-hmm. last three picks of your um, draft, I I highly recommend just taking players that you like. It's fantasy football supposed to be fun. It's right, supposed to be right, interactive. Right. So if if a guy, you know, if you're at the... 12th pick and in the third round you see a guy that is typically being drafted 15 spots later but you know you can't get him when he comes back around draft him early it it, it doesn't matter just make sure you're you're drafting guys you like have fun with it and yeah and i think the one one pitfall um that people fall into especially if you're doing it uh online online draft you have that like they have the positions yeah. next to you and people are like i gotta fill up this like i remember the first literally stealing my mom's credit card, signing up on CBS <laughs> to do a fantasy draft when I was in like eighth grade. And the first draft I ever did, it was just a guy. So I like, I literally just drafted like running back. Like I filled up my starters before anything else. So that's interesting. Do you think, cause we, we mentioned like, earlier it's in like our a mind thing. Well, we mentioned earlier in our league that there's players that were drafting defenses and kickers in the seventh, the ninth, the 10th round. Do you think they have that mindset? I hope not. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Because our league, I mean, I know you're one of these, and, and I have done it in the past, yeah. that, you know, if if your league doesn't require you to draft a defense and a kicker, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're drafting early in the offseason, like before the first, second preseason game, right, right, don't fill up right. those spots. Yeah, draft right, other right, guys because right. there's going to be injuries. There's going to be yeah. roster moves that that you may get a guy and then right before week one, you can cut the worst two players that you mm-hmm. think are on your team or guys that get injured and pick up that kicker in defense for week one. Yeah. That's, that's pro. I mean, there were, there was, there was a, well, there were two things last year. One, one was um, like, I was, I was beating somebody. I was up, I think I was up like five points going into Monday night and I had somebody Monday night and he was done. Um, so I just took that guy out of my lineup for, cause we don't, we, we don't do, most points like if you do a league where most points wins money or something then i wouldn't recommend doing that but i just wanted to make sure i got the win so well, I don't, the thing if this is guy fumbled three times or something i was not gonna mess around that, that could have hurt you because we do do most uh, points if you have the same like the record most yeah, points yeah, is yeah. one of the tiebreakers so yeah if you were to i feel like at that point though i was like i was just beating the hell out of everybody because girly was just going like off. you're in a position that you didn't need where to it's kind of like I, I'm, I'm gonna get the win here is more important yeah <laughs> there was i had a thought one year like I'm not even going to – I can't drop. I had, like, a good bench, and I didn't want to drop either of the guys. I was like, I might just not play kicker this this, this go-around, but I think I did. Um, but to your point, there's no sense to draft. I mean, if you want to really want a defense, uh, once somebody drafts a defense, I think people start doing it. Mm-hmm. But don't be the guy to do it in the seventh round, no matter how bad you want a particular particular defense. Yeah. It just – it's not worth it. <laughs> That's all the time we have for the fantasy football preview part two. Uh, we're going to be back with with at least uh, one more fantasy episode. If it's before our draft, we'll uh, we'll go over some some other stuff. If it comes after, well, when we do one, definitely after our draft, uh, we'll go over our rankings and kind of how our draft played out and uh, different approaches we took. And and you know that'll be that'll be very interesting, I think. Um, but until next time, always follow us on Twitter uh, at LSLU Podcast. Same uh, same handle on Instagram. Um, go to our website at lslupodcast.com. Um, send us an email, although you won't, lslupodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so for next time, or until next time, I am Joe for Shane saying bye.